Hi everyone and welcome to a new episode of Paratalk. Uh, this episode I'm joined by, I'm actually joined by someone who goes by the name as She Haunts and uh, I got to know her a little bit on the Instagram and she investigates ghosts and does the EVP stuff and of course as you all know I like a bit of EVP. So without further ado I'd like to introduce uh, She Haunts aka Gina to the podcast. Hello. Hello, thank you for having me. That's all right, how are you? I'm doing great, thank you. Good, good. So, ghosts and the paranormal. Uh, before we uh, get into the kind of the the one of the main reasons I've got you on here is because you're kind of quite active with EVP. Um, how did you get into sort of um, into just into this, into the paranormal, into the sort of investigating? How did that happen for you? Well, I've always been interested in paranormal, and ever since I was a kid, I was interested in ghost stories and ghost movies. And uh, as I got older, I went on a couple of ghost tours in various historical locations, and it really got me excited about the possibility of paranormal investigation. So a few years ago, for Christmas, I was gifted a few ghost hunting devices so that I can go out on my own, and I started doing these investigations a little bit more frequently. And in the last, I would say, about a year, year and a half, I've been doing them regularly. And I have gone on uh, several investigations all around the United States and in Japan. Sounds uh, like you've been quite busy, actually. Uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's interesting. I think we're going to have to touch on a few of those uh, a little bit into this episode. But um, I just wanted to ask to start with, uh, going back to your early days, your childhood and growing up, What's your first memories of being influenced by anything a bit unusual? When I was a kid, I would often be in the car for long periods of time, traveling either to a family member's house or going on vacation. And oftentimes to kill the, the time in the car, my father would tell my brother and I ghost stories. And he would get very, very involved in these ghost stories that he created for us to keep us entertained. And I was always very interested in them. Throughout my childhood, I would be very involved in reading about ghost stories and watching movies and learning about real life ghost history. And when I moved to Florida from New York around when I was about 11 years old, my family moved into a home. And this home, we do believe to this day, was occupied by some sort of spirit. And while I never saw the spirit, you would hear it. And everybody in the family had their own experiences. The spirit wasn't a negative one. We think that it might have just been perhaps a family member of the family who lived there before possibly sticking around. And that really piqued my interest, of course, because now this is something that is in my personal space, something that I have to experience in my own everyday life. And then I would say possibly around when I, when I went to college, Around that time, I want to say possibly my freshman or sophomore year, I had my first paranormal experience where I had some tangible evidence. So I went on a ghost tour, and on this ghost tour, I felt things, and I also took photographs where I found in my photographs there were some pictures that had orbs with facial features. So this was the first time in my life I could actually have evidence to show people of what I was experiencing. So it became more real for me at that point. And then from there, you know, now I've, I, I've been doing the paranormal investigating full time. 
when you were when you first sort of got involved and you started seeing things or you started to you know as you say you took some pictures and you saw something weird in them being a kid um being quite young you well i know from from my point of view of being a kid all those years ago uh i was always a bit reluctant to tell people uh you know who could i sort of tell that i've experienced something a bit weird or i've seen something a bit weird did you find that uh it, you found it difficult to sort of relay what you were experiencing to sort of other people to your peers sort of thing i didn't really talk about it to too many people i did express what was going on to my parents and my brother and we sort of kind of kept it for the most part between us what we were experiencing we would have shared experiences perhaps maybe you know two people would be in a room and something would happen and we were both experience it and both have that validation that the other had seen it and very close friends were aware and uh, eventually later on we would have family members experience other family members that were staying in the home on vacation experience things so you know we did have some people that believed us but i would say for the most part i wasn't really sharing that type of thing with with everyone because i was worried that that nobody would believe me yeah, that's the thing where you, uh, it's like, oh, you're just a, you're just a kiddie, just shut up, you don't, what do you know, what do you know about life? You get a bit older, go out on your own, you can go to these places and you decide to sort of uh, start investigating. When was the first place that you actually went into and thought, you know, I'm, this is my ghost hunt now, I'm, you know, I'm on my way? Well, I would say my first official investigation was at the old jail in St. Augustine, Florida. St. Augustine is one of the oldest cities in the United States. It was originally a fort built by the Spanish, and then it became part of the United States. And in this particular city, there is a very old jail, and in this building, they host tours. So back in, I believe it was 2017, 2018, I had my first paranormal experience where I actually uh, captured a ghost voice on a spirit box, which is a radio sweeping device that ghost hunters use to yeah. capture voices. And in this session, I was in a room that was a display area for memorabilia in, you know, around the, uh, the jail. And when I was holding my spirit box close to an, a noose, and I don't know the name, but there's a cloak that they put over people's faces at the time of execution. So I was sweeping the spirit box over these items, and that when I, that's when I got the voice that said goodbye. And it was very clear. I was sort of taken aback by this. I was shocked because the whole night I hadn't experienced anything, any sort of activity at all. I was there for, I want to say possibly about two hours. Then a few moments later, the same exact voice came through again. I couldn't understand what it was saying, but it was the same voice, which if you know the box, it's sweeps through radio stations yeah. very rapidly and hearing the same exact voice twice is very uncommon on that device. And it was a truly unique experience, which certainly got me hooked. And from there I started doing more and more and more investigations. Spirit box, ghost box. Uh, yeah. It's a, a tweaked radio that scans through the radio signals, the radio frequencies really quickly. And it's meant to be done in such a way that, uh, anything anyone that's broadcasting any channel you're not able to capture uh you know random people talking uh it's meant to be done in a such a way that allegedly the spirits are able to get all these little snippets of uh of vocalizations and make words from them apparently uh but um the spirit box and all of this kind of we're jumping ahead but it is relevant to what you're talking about 
Um, yeah. with, with like the spirit box and stuff, I'm always on a bit of a bit on the fence. Uh, maybe because I'm a bit older, a bit more old school. But uh, technology is a good thing. Uh, you know, you move forward, and it it always helps to do stuff to use. But I do you think that um, there's a possibility that uh, on investigations, people maybe rely a little bit too heavily on this kind of technology? I have seen some investigators that do rely very heavily on it and you have to take it with a grain of salt because the yeah. you've used one before or if you've seen it used in a perhaps a paranormal show the the box is picking up tiny little bits maybe one word two words at a time yeah. and because it's sweeping through radio stations so it's picking up t- tiny pieces of each station now the only time when this tool can possibly be considered paranormal evidence is if you are asking a question and it's answering you directly or if in my case I thought what I heard was paranormal because I was in a room of all devices that were used at the time of death and the voice as soon as I put it up to the item at this exact time it said the word goodbye and it was a very long goodbye that swept across several radio frequencies so if you have a intelligent response you know or if the if the response has something to do with what's going on in the room or if perhaps that voice is a very long sweep that you're hearing it across multiple stations then you can say well this is this is not normal this is paranormal but i do i do agree with you i think a lot of investigators get excited and i don't think that that they are necessarily trying to put forth evidence that's fake or or not true but i do think sometimes when when you're an investigator you have to realize you're only seeing the fun stuff that we post you might see a small amount of time that the investigators are in the location but we're there for hours and hours in silence and nothing is happening and when something finally happens you get very excited and it is hard for some people to find that fine line with what is actually paranormal and what might just be the device doing what it does and sweeping through stations. So I do agree with you. You have to be careful with what type of evidence you're putting out there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to ask you, uh, when you're doing, when you're using this equipment, uh, you or anyone that you've possibly been on a, an investigation with, uh, have you ever had, uh, when you've asked questions, had, had, uh, replies in the sense that it said your full name or the date that you were born or anything like that or the the actual day and the date that uh, that you're doing the investigation if you ask those kind of questions have you ever had uh things like that replied where you said today what is the date and somebody's come from back and said oh it's the 13th uh you know mm-hmm. have you ever had anything like that i haven't had that exact question answered as far as the date but i have had my name called and my name is gina it's not a very common name uh-huh also, I have had very specific conversations with people or spirits, I should say, that, that are communicating with me. And I've had some EVP sessions where, for instance, I said something along the lines of who was the president when you passed away? And it said Nixon. And then I said, did you like Nixon? He was OK. Mm-hmm. And what kind of car did you drive? I drove a Cadillac. What year was it? It was a 1970s very specific answers to very specific questions i think are more unique than is anyone out there and then you get a yeah. response who's there are you a man or a woman <laughs> you know, these 
these spirits, if they are spirits, they're hearing the same types of things over and over. So I find personally, I get more responses when I do get a little bit more specific and I do have a little bit more fun with the questions. I've even had sessions where I've asked about ice cream. What's your favorite ice cream? Chocolate, vanilla, very specific answers to questions that is hard to say that this was just a random voice coming through the abyss because they're answering a very direct, very specific thing. Carrying on to what you were just saying, uh, with getting responses and having, if you ask a particular question, uh, like what car did you drive? And it actually says a make of a vehicle. And you're like, okay, we're getting somewhere now. But when it comes to, you know, whatever you're contacting with, because this is like the modern day version of a, of a Ouija board. Back in the Victorian days, the spiritualist movement, it was all Ouija boards. And that, that was your way of contacting the dead. Now we use radios and television sets and video cameras. You know, that's the, yeah. that's the new thing. You know, that's the, the modern way of doing it. But what I was going to say was when you're uh, contacting these alleged uh, personalities, you know, I'm always, um, I just put it out there. I'm always very skeptical about what you, what people are contacting. Uh, is it a person that lived before? Is it grandma? I talked about uh, this phenomenon on another episode uh, known as, it's commonly known as the trickster phenomenon, where mm -hmm. it's a consciousness, but it's not actually in the sense of consciousness as in someone that's lived on this earth before. And I don't want to go down the road of, of demons and stuff like yeah. that, but more in the sense of some, something that's a bit bored and it just wants a bit of fun. And it's like, yeah, I'll be whatever you want. I'll be your grandma if you want. I'll just play along. Uh, so, or, or is it is it us as individuals creating that phenomenon that we're, we're basically talking to ourselves? What, what do you think? I think that it's hard to really answer that question definitively because there's too many unanswered questions within the paranormal. I do believe there is more and more evidence that is able to be captured using scientific equipment. We can measure, you know, if we're looking at a recorder, we can, we can determine voice recognition. There have been some cases where people have spoken to deceased loved ones and they've captured an EVP and then they can listen to that alongside perhaps an old recording of that person's voice and determine that it was the same voice. So there have been cases like that, but I agree with you. There certainly could be a trickster element to it. And we might be speaking to someone who we think is a safe entity and is in fact a negative one, but could be, you know, something totally in your head as well. I agree. It's, it's really hard to say if it's yes or no, if there's, it's, it's not black and white, it's gray. There's oh, yeah. too much in the in-between for us to really make that definitive yes or no. But I, that's what I personally find so interesting about this field is we don't have all the answers yet. We're no. still exploring. We're still in that stage where we're finding new things every day. But I think there's too much evidence out there in the world for it to be totally fake. But there certainly could be more to it that we don't know yet. There's a lot of different theories about that. So um, you go on an investigation. You're doing your thing. Things are going well. And then things don't go well. And you realize that, uh, you know, you might want to put your coat on and go home. So when have you really been sort of on an investigation and it's like, yeah, this is all going a bit Pete Tong, I need to leave, you know. When have you been scared, really scared? I've been scared. I wouldn't say I've ever been to the point where I've been really scared. I would say a, a couple of situations I found myself in where I had some sort of inner voice that was telling me to, to leave. It was time to go. And one of those situations 
I was in Japan. I was visiting a, a town that had many shrines and I was traveling to each shrine and it was on the side of a mountain and you have to kind of climb a little bit. You go to a shrine, you climb up to the next shrine. In Japan, they do celebrate all types of deities. So there are good spirits, there are negative spirits, and there are several shrines that are dedicated to each. So I, I hiked my way up and there was a shrine to a negative spirit. Okay, I, I want to call it the devil shrine. It wasn't necessarily a devil, yeah. something like that. So as I was walking towards this shrine, I immediately felt sick to my stomach. Could it, I had to sit down. I didn't feel well. I felt nauseous. And I felt almost as if the air kind of pushed me. And I felt it stop me in my tracks. And I had to sit. I had to drink some water. And I just decided, you know what? I'm not going. I'm not going to this shrine. And we kept going to the next location. And I, as soon as we walked away, I felt fine. Now, some skeptics might say, well, maybe you were feeling fatigued from hiking up to all these, these shrines. But what I would say to that was I was 100% fine until I got to this point, and I was 100% fine as soon as I walked away. So it was a little, you know, too much of a coincidence perhaps. But I did feel something telling me do not go into this shrine, and it was a, a demon-type shrine. Now, another situation that I ran into where I was genuinely, I, I genuinely felt scared was I was in a home in the, the city that I live in. And uh, in this home, this is a historic home. I was doing a spirit box session. The session that I was doing, if anyone out there is familiar with it, it's called an Estes method. So in the Estes method, you go into a sensory deprivation. Yeah. You wear headphones that cancel out any any noise, any voices, you wear an eye mask so that you can't see anything in the room and you plug your headphones into a spirit box. So all you can hear is just a whitewash of, of radio stations. Yeah. Just, and the people in the room ask questions and the person who's sitting with the headphones just speaks what they're hearing through the headphones. So in this situation, I was sitting in, the, in a dark room and my team members that were with me were asking questions and I kept hearing a very, very, very negative male voice kept coming, the same voice kept coming through and it was saying very derogatory comments about the females in the room and then it said something about killing them. So as mm. soon as I heard that, I took the headphones off, I stopped the session and we got out of the home because personally, it, it was more worrisome than I would say I was scared. I didn't want to go any further. I did not want to entertain that any further. I did not want to be a part of that. I'm not going to record that. I'm not going to share that. I just wanted to get out of there because I, I didn't feel safe. So we, we landed up leaving. But I wouldn't say I felt terrified or scared that something was going to hurt me in the moment. But I just, I, I don't seek negative spirits. I don't seek negative energy. So that's why I decided to leave. I've got a, a few uh, associates that uh, they still do regular investigations, and uh, uh, on a few occasions, not all, uh, not all the time, but they've spoken to me about they've been on investigations and they've been in situations that have been a, a bit odd, a bit weird, and for a few days after, it's as if they've brought something home with them, and they would have weird things go on. Not nothing major, 
You know, they, not, they wouldn't come up down and find their whole kitchen redecorated or anything like that. But little things like keys going missing, uh, little uh, things just being moved where they normally are and they're somewhere else. Uh, just stuff like that. Have you ever worried about going into an, uh, a place that's a bit notorious and then thinking, oh, I don't want to... Don't want to take anything home with me. Have you have you ever worried about that? Yes, it's actually something that I do I do think about often. And what I do personally is I wear protection crystals. I wear black tourmaline, which is known to be a stone that repels negative energy. It's a protection stone. I do wear that. I also say a little silent prayer when I go into a location, and I say a prayer when I leave. And then I also verbally, you know, I'll say it out loud. No spirits are allowed to come home with me. I respect you. I respect your space. Please respect mine. You're not welcome to come with me. And then I often will sage myself using white sage so that that way it's a cleansing. It's a cleansing agent used to just repel any negative energy, any spirits. But I have had some situations where I felt a little bit of an attachment. Yeah. But nothing major. But it was nothing that sage couldn't help. Hmm. I uh, I always find it fascinating when people they do do investigations and what to what methods they use. Some people discover no, I just don't do anything. I just tell it not to come. Don't follow me. Uh, some people just you know shun it off, and some people do the full thing. You know they wear protection and stuff like that. It's always interesting to hear what individuals do. Um. So one of the reasons that obviously I've got you on this episode is is EVP. And that was one of the things that I saw that, you know, you're quite active on social media. Uh, and I saw you were posting some EVPs. And the thing that uh, caught my attention was they were very similar to EVPs that I heard a very long time ago. A friend of mine who's no longer around, the, the late, great Lou Gentili. Uh, he was a bit of a, a master with EVPs. He would you know, effortlessly just constantly keep recording EVPs. A lot of them were weird sounds, uh, quite, you know, quite sort of unsettling sounds uh, rather than people going, you know, hello there or anything like that. Uh, it was just grunts and growls. And, and I listened to your stuff and I'm thinking, that's very similar to what he used to capture. Now, some people might say, well, you know, it's nothing but just uh, an overloaded preamp in a little cheap recorder that's making those sounds. But what I find interesting with these EVPs is when you ask a question you get these sounds. When you don't ask the question, you mm. just get static. You get nothing. So right. th that's what I find interesting. And, of course, someone like myself who is, was quite involved with EVP quite a while ago now, I've done it in recent times I've done it, but not nothing like I used to do it. So I understand that how, you know, it's a little bit scary because you don't know what you're going to get and you don't know if it's going to, you know, if it's how it's going to affect you. Uh, obviously, I recorded stuff and... Uh, quite good quality stuff and it did scare me and I kind of backed away from it for a few months and I'm just wondering before we get into these uh, few examples that you've recorded that we're going to play on this episode um, have you ever sort of when you got into the EVP and you started to get these sounds did it kind of kind of scare you in a way think oh I'm not too sure about this I know this might sound strange but it, it's, it's so exciting for me whenever I hear the the voices I get, it lights my face up. And I actually have videos of me when I'm on an investigation and we do live EVP playback. And you could just see me 
just light up as if it's Christmas morning when I get an EVP. It's so, it's, it's the whole night long, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting for something. And when you finally get it, 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 it makes the whole thing worthwhile. So I, I really do enjoy when I get them. I haven't really found anything that's, that's scared me yet. Right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play one of them for, that, that you've sent me. Uh, I haven't, I've kind of not really front loaded myself. I've just, and I'm just going to play them. I've listened to them maybe once or twice, but I'm going to play it again now. And then you can kind of tell me where this was recorded and what it's saying. So as long as I've got all this set right, it should all work. So I'm going to play the first one a minute and then we'll kind of uh, let it play. And then maybe, maybe I'll play it twice. Uh, and then we'll sort of, we'll discuss. So here's, here's the first one. So that's a bit scary. That's that is uh, someone. Someone got out of bed the wrong side. Someone's a bit. <laughs> someone's a bit grumpy. <laughs> so what's that? What, what what's that all about? Give us some context into what we're hearing. Okay. Well, some of you guys, if you're into paranormal, might be familiar with the show Ghost Adventures, and I know that's a very popular show that many people watch. And back in the early episodes of Ghost Adventures, they visited a place called the Riddle House. And the Riddle House is part of a, a living museum called Yesteryear Village. So in Yesteryear Village, basically what this, this place did was they took homes that were historical homes that were in danger of being uh, demolished. And they brought these homes to this property and they preserved them in a little village. So there are many different old homes from all around the state of Florida. And, you know, so there's the Riddle House, which they went on Ghost Adventures. And right next door, there's this place called the Pineapple House. And this building was used for many years as a place for slave labor. And what, what would happen was they would take pineapples and they would bring children into this house to cut them and prepare them to be sold. And at this time, there was no air conditioning back in the day, and the, you know they'd have the windows down, and some of these children perished in this home because they couldn't breathe. There wasn't a lot of airflow. Uh, so there were many deaths from that. And then later on, it became a makeshift field hospital during the Civil War. And I mentioned in the, in the recording, is this your blood on the floor? because there actually are some stains on the floorboards that were from blood while oh, this while okay. this hospital. And so you have children and you also have soldiers. So in this recording, I'm not sure exactly who I was speaking to. I do think it was perhaps an, an older person based on the type of energy that was coming through. I do think the first response when I said, is this your blood on the floor? I do believe they were saying no. They were saying no right. really loud. 
And then I think for the next two questions, they were just very upset and they were just screaming into the recording or the recorder. But now you have to realize during this time when I was recording this, everyone in the room was silent. There was not a peep made in the room. Yeah. Us investigators were sitting quietly in the dark and we were using our recorders. So to get this type of screaming was very unusual and interesting. Hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, it is interesting when you, you're actually asking the questions that you're getting those sounds rather than uh, you just having a recorder and those sounds happen. So it is almost like uh, something is trying uh, to reply to you uh, in, yeah. in some way. It is a quite difficult to understand the context of what's being said, but obviously if you kind of go by the, the context of the questions you're asking, then, you know, you can sort of logically deduce that possibly it's answering in a way that is, uh, you know, in response to what you're asking. But yeah, it's the uh, first one's a bit weird, but I th I'm sure it gets weirder. But uh, let's let's do another one. I got another one here. Let's get another cue. Another one up. Let's play this one. Right. So I definitely hear something, but it's more of a uh, more of a whisper. It comes in with the what? What's the other sound? Is it a ball or something that's falling? So. What you're hearing, the creaking sound, is actually the floorboards. Ah, so okay. this was actually not captured on a recorder. It was captured on my, my camera's audio as I was doing a sweep of a, of a historic home. Yep. And in this video that I captured using my phone, I was walking through the house just doing an EVP, or EVP, uh, an EVP sweep with yep. a thermometer, and I was just checking for electromagnetic field spikes just on my own. I was, the rest of my group was on one end of the house and I was in the back by myself and you can hear the floorboards creaking as I was walking. Okay. I wasn't trying to, I wasn't speaking. I wasn't trying to capture voices. I was just filming the EMF spikes. And what I believe it's saying is I see you. Hmm. And then that's what I think it says. I see you. It's interesting uh, because EVP, uh, any sort of audio phenomenon, sometimes comes through when there's an external sound and it usually carries under that, that sort of piggybacks on that sound. And also with water and, you know, and stuff like that, you and fans and stuff, you get that kind of voice phenomenon. But uh, it, it reminds me of uh, my friend Steve, uh, Steve, Steve um, of Nocturnal Frequency. He's got a small uh, investigation group, and they did a uh, they did an investigation of a house, and they're doing a walkthrough of this. He's the only guy that's in there. He's doing a walkthrough like you with a camera, and you can clearly hear uh, a lady sort of burst into song and is singing, uh, oh, like wow. uh, just out of nowhere. And uh, he's the only guy in the house walking. At the time, he hears nothing. So it's uh, it, it's interesting that this sort of audio phenomenon does is quite spontaneous, but as you say, you're you're walking around, and it's as if the the sound is kind of, you know, it's kind of appearing because you're making a sound. So uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, let's move on. I got another one, so we're gonna we're gonna play the other one, uh, and then we're gonna kind of discuss that. So let's play another one. That's really difficult. That one. Uh, I would be definitely on the fence with that. What, 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 how did, 
what's the context of that one? So I was with a group of other investigators and uh, I was holding the recorder and the other investigator was asking some questions. And she said, were you in jail here? And then she says, are you scared? And we believe the response is yes. Uh, as soon as she said, are you scared? You hear yes. And in this particular building that we were in, currently it is a saloon style bar. And previously back in the early 1920s era, it was a jail. So it was a, it was a courthouse slash jail. Yeah. And then it was sold and repurposed and it became a restaurant and now it's a bar. And currently the bar has in, in the back of the bar, the restrooms were where the jail cells were. So we were doing this EVP session in a restroom and this is apparently where they, they hear voices. They capture appar- people say they see apparitions things get moved on their own in these restroom stalls. So that's where we went in to do this session. So we were asking questions about it being a jail. And then when she asked, are you scared? The only voice that came through and it was very soft, but it sounds like it's saying yes. Hmm. So, okay. So you've got EVPs, you're capturing stuff. You'd go on investigations. Uh, what do you think? In your own opinion, what do you think? Uh, um, let's be, let's let's just uh, pretend. Let's just pretend a minute. Let's pretend it's a ghost. Let's pretend it is. Uh, you know, old Bill that used to live in there uh, two hundred years ago, and he died, and he's still hanging around because he's like really angry about something, and everyone that comes in, he just wants to sort of ghost shout at them. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so and that's what you're picking up is is angry go- shouts. Uh, what are you doing in my house? Get out. You know that sort of thing. Uh, so. Why do you think, uh, if they are, if it is intelligent and it is a person that lived before, why do you think they're still hanging around? Why don't they just go off and do ghost things somewhere else? That's a great question. I know there's a lot of theories about that. And I, for one, have also captured voices that have, when you ask the question, are you stuck here? Sometimes they say no. And that leads me to believe that some people want to be where they are. And that could be for many different reasons. Some people theorize that perhaps these spirits stay where they are because the, a popular thought is perhaps this is a place that they felt comfortable in, comfortable in staying. Maybe it was their home that they spent many years in. Maybe they, they built the home. Maybe they spent many years happily with their families. Another very popular opinion is they have unfinished business. Maybe they want someone to hear a message that they need to be said. And that's what's really cool about paranormal investigations is they can speak their truth. They can talk about what they want to talk about through your recorder. And that might be enough for them to find peace, maybe if they are sticking around. And then lastly, the last theory is that some of these people simply do not know that they are deceased. Maybe they they passed away very quickly and they're confused or they don't understand what happened. Commonly, this would pertain to children. So a lot of times when you encounter a child spirit, they don't understand that they died. Maybe they, they passed away in their sleep from a fever or, or they had some sort of disease and they didn't really comprehend what it meant to die. So they don't really understand where to go and they're lost. So that's another thing. But I do believe that many of these spirits do have a choice to stay where they are. And that's where they they care to be. Maybe that's where they want to be. Yeah. 
I, I, I kind of understand what you're saying about the, uh, if you're a, if you're, if you're like a little kitty and you, and you sadly, you get sick and you die in your sleep or whatever. Uh, and then you're a, and then you're a, a little kitty ghost, uh, and you're like really confused what's going on to the, to the kitty ghost. It might be like they're having a dream. It might be right. like, it's like a bad dream. Uh, and they might have not have no context that what they're experiencing is the people they're experiencing are people that are alive and they're dead to them. They're just a massive nightmare and they're in this kind of ever changing nightmare. And if they, if we do go by the context that, uh, your reality after you die is what, you know, is, is what you are made of. So if you are a bad person, you're going to have a bad afterlife. And if you're a good person, then you're going to, you know, are going to have all those good things um mm-hmm. if you're a child you're completely confused so everything's all over the shop you know so yeah i that's uh it's interesting but on the uh on the, like recording evp have you ever done any experiments where you've had like multiple recorders uh all recording at the same time and then out of those multiple recorders you've had at least two of them get uh, the same response yes yes that has happened and it doesn't happen often, uh-huh. but we do find that sometimes the voices will be picked up on both. So I typically, when I go out with, with my group, we usually have three, maybe four people using recorders at the same time. And some of us have the same recorder. Some of us do not have the same recorder. And there have been multiple times when two people have captured the same voice it might be stronger on one a little weaker on the other yeah it's usually not the same exact volume but it has happened it is rare but it has happened do you um so regarding investigating um uh as we're coming to the end of this episode i've still got a few more questions but regarding investigating do you prefer to investigate on your own uh, not that I would say if you're going to, I will not advocating that, you know, uh, people should go to a place that they're not familiar with on their own at night, you know, uh, take someone with you at least, um, even if they sit in the car and wait. But the thing is that do you prefer to, some people prefer to go on their own to a place they're familiar with, or do you prefer to go with a group of people? And the reason I ask that is because some people uh, put out there that if you've got a group of like-minded people, and they're all in the same, you know, dynamic bubble, uh, and they can create uh, more positive energy, uh, and that can sort of excite the phenomenon to happen. As where if you're on your own, it's just you, and it's, uh, you know, I- I'm thinking on the sense that we're like little walking batteries of positivity, yeah. you know, yeah. and it charges where you are, you know. Do, do you what, what's your you are kind of solo, or you do further do it with uh, investigate with other people. Well, I actually do not recommend uh, investigating alone for a, a couple of different reasons. I, I don't think it's safe to go by yourself because if something happens, if you're walking around a dark place by yourself and you get hurt, number one, you know that's the first thing is yeah. safety. Oftentimes, when you're when you're investigating a location, many times it's an older location. You know, you have to be you have to be thinking about your safety in these places. Maybe it's old floorboards or a, a number of, of accidents can happen. And if you're by yourself, it's not a good idea for that. Also, 
if you're by yourself, then it's kind of hard for you to prove what happened. If something, if you see something, well, how are you going to prove that? Well, and I find that at least having a second person with you is helpful because if you both experience the same thing and you both can say, okay, I caught it on my camera and, and you know, we have some sort of evidence, it, it is a little bit better for that. And I have personally, you know, been on investigations where I've been with one or two people and someone says, oh, I saw a shadow over there. And then we walk over and we look at that area and we say, oh, no, it's, it wasn't a shadow. It was just, you know, the way that the light was moving as we were all moving around yeah. the room. You thought it was another person, but it was we can debunk it and say it was one of us. So you have that extra set of eyes to help you and, and to kind of make sure that your evidence is being captured properly. But I would say, you know, personally, going with a small group is, is my favorite way to investigate because not only are you with someone who can validate your experience and oftentimes help you capture evidence, but, you know, it's, it's a nice way to sort of bounce ideas off of one another, come up with new ways to investigate, new experiments that you can do, and having fresh perspectives to approach situations is, is in my opinion, such a huge, huge gift. So if you're able to go with maybe two or three people, you know, or even a small team, that is a wonderful, wonderful way to, to investigate. And of course, having, you know, the camaraderie of, of like-minded people, you know, in your corner to, to kind of keep you going is nice as well. But I did want to talk a little bit about, you mentioned, um, you know, kind of going into a, a space and, and feeling, you know, the, the, the energy kind of yeah. attaching itself. Uh, and and then you talked about the energy and the batteries. So recently I was just on an investigation. I'm not going to talk too much about it, but we all had our cell phones drained. And I think in that location that we went to, whatever was there, zapped all of our equipment mm, and our cell yeah. phones at the time. And it, it, it definitely grabbed some energy because as soon as that happened, we, we started getting some activity. So sometimes we are like batteries to them, whether it be our devices providing the battery or ourselves providing mm. the battery yeah that's the kind of thing that does happen i mean uh, i've known many people that have gone to places and uh, you know have had the battery and it's been fully charged and also the one that their spare battery has been depleted as well and it's like well you know uh it's never happened to them before so it's uh, there's possibly something in that uh, whether it's some f form of you know phenomenon that's outside of the realms of not paranormal but it is a weird that you go to these alleged haunted locations and it happens yeah yeah and when i was at the this particular place it was in the middle of the woods so there was no electricity yeah. or sources for electricity anywhere near us and all of a sudden everything got zapped it was very odd so it can happen i'll be like i'm just gonna get back in the car and wait i don't want <laughs> to uh be hanging around here uh okay so you all right you do your ghost stuff right you actively do your evp and your ghost stuff but have you got uh, an interest in any other phenomenon? So I always ask this question because, uh, you know, Bigfoot, everybody likes a bit of big, Bigfoot. Uh, is, what's your thoughts on that? Some people say, well, you know, that Bigfoot's a, he's a, he's a ghost. He's paranormal. Uh, what, what do you think about that? Well, I think that there's certainly a lot of people that have claimed that they've seen it. And I'm one of those people that I think that if there's so many people that say that they've experienced it, maybe there's a small percentage of, of those who actually did. 
Yeah. I think that if there's a rumor going around for so long, there might be a little bit of base of truth to it. However, I don't think there's enough evidence to really definitively say that, yes, it's it's a real thing. Um, maybe. Maybe it is real. I, I would certainly love to see one. And I, I would be open-minded to going on a Bigfoot investigation someday if that was ever presented to me. So I'd, yeah. like, to, I'd like to think it is. <laughs> well, never know. Never say never. That's what they say. <laughs> um, when you've got um, the paranormal in general, do you think uh, that in – where do you think uh, – for my final question, uh, where do you think we'll be in another uh, maybe, I don't know, 50 to 100 years? Do you think – uh, that we would have uh, sort of taken any big steps towards uh, maybe finding out what's really going on. Maybe, uh, you know, somebody comes up with a device that definitely works and it's sort of proven and, you know, this is a telephone we can... I mean, there's been plenty of, you know, we had we had the, you know, you had the um, people come up with these devices to say, oh, yeah, I built this box and you can talk to, uh, you know, it's Spiracom and you can talk to, you know, but it's all very, you know, all very ambiguous. But... Do you think that maybe in a 50 to 100 years that how far more forward do you think we'll be with the, the, the sort of investigation into the paranormal? Well, I'd like to think that we, at least in 50 years from now, we would have many more answers and certainly a better understanding of what it is. I think recently in the past 10 years, there's been a huge increase in the amount of people that are interested in the paranormal. Yeah. And I think there has a lot to do with you know, the different paranormal shows and books and, and, and different podcasts that are coming out and talking about it. So the more people that are talking about it, the more interest is being generated for this this field. And I think that the more we investigate as a community, the more answers we're going to get. And of course, the technology, it just keeps getting better and better. So hopefully, maybe in my lifetime, you know, I can I can sit there and say, I remember when... <laughs> We were out there with little recorders trying to figure these things out, and now we have the answer. So I, I hope one day that we can be at the, in that place and we can we can sit back and enjoy the fruits of our labor. So um, I always think, I think I saw a film on this, and it was uh, I'm trying to think what the film was called. Um, it was uh, had Robert Redford in it. It was basically they'd discovered that uh, they had built a machine. And they discovered that there was an afterlife and that uh, you could, you know, when you passed on, that you know, that was where everybody went. And then they had this pandemic of people just offing themselves, just killing themselves, ending their lives because they thought, well, you know, my life's a bit junk at the moment. I know that there's going to make better at the end of it. So I'm just going to jump off this bridge, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I really, it really got me thinking to think maybe if they, you know, maybe if uh, someone is out there thinking, oh, Eureka, I've come up with it. This is how it works. And somebody will knock on the door and say no you can't talk about that you can't be telling people that uh so who knows i don't know maybe the maybe the the, the men in black will turn up and go no sorry <laughs> yeah you can't be talking about that uh so anyway gina so uh, i think we've reached the end of this episode and as uh very informative and very uh interesting chat um i know that you're quite active on uh, on the social media uh what are your um any projects so have you got anything sorted for the you know, for the coming months, the rest of this year? Yeah. So I'm always doing investigations locally. I, I'm going all over the state of Florida. 
And I'm hoping to get back to Japan very soon. If anybody's following that on the on the news, they're still not letting tourists in. So hopefully I'll be able to go back soon. And uh, you can, if you're interested in checking out my story and my journey, my Instagram is she haunts um, on Instagram and on TikTok. Yes, uh, all of those links will be uh, with this episode. Uh, they will go out with this episode. So anybody that wants to uh, uh, come and sort of uh, investigate you and find out what you're all about, they can do so. Uh, yeah, so uh, thanks once again. Thanks very much for coming on the episode. It was uh, very enlightening. Uh, and uh, I hope everybody out there enjoyed it. I'm sure that uh, at some point Gina will be back on another uh, episode when we, uh, you know, may let her do a few more investigations. And uh, Thank you. I love that. That's quite all right. Uh, but uh, until next time, I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode and I'll speak to you soon. Mm-hmm.